welcome everybody to the Accelerative Thrust podcast. Um, I I mean, I really have nothing else to say at the moment. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> yeah, welcome. We're we're here for you. Yeah, we're gonna review some records like usual, and we're gonna yep. talk about uh, Sam Locke Ward's new record at at the end of the show with the amazing Mike Watt. Yeah, with Mike Watt. I, I mean, we're not talking with Mike Watt. No. Sam, Sam made a record with Mike Watt. Yeah. Yes, and right. that um, that blows my mind. I'm I'm a huge, huge Minutemen fan. Yeah. And so, uh, how how much are you into the Minutemen, Eric? I like them. Okay. <laughs> like I, I do, I I like them, and I like uh, a number of songs. Uh, it's just that I. I have an aversion to syncopation sometimes. Uh-huh. Like um funky things, you know? And um sure. And so sometimes I don't get as into funky things. But when the Minutemen get a little less funky, then I'm way into it. Like way way into it. So it's kind of a you know, I like a lot of what they do and I don't like some of what they do. So, you know. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair. I um I was I was gonna say uh, that not everything that Minutemen does is is funky. Like their earlier stuff, mm-hmm. uh, well, particularly probably my favorite album from them is an EP called Buzz Howl or Under the Influence. Hmm. That one got a little chunky. Like oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that one that one got almost like not metal, but like Mike Watts' bass playing was not as funky on that record. I would say, as say Double Nickels on the Dime which sort yeah. of seems to be the one that everyone knows. Pretty funky. Um, yeah, really funky. I mean, yeah. you you can hear where probably Flea and Les Claypool were listening to a lot of Mike Watt, I, I bet. Um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, who knows? But, uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah. I, I really, I really <laughs> I've always really liked him. One of the things that I've always liked about the Minutemen is how um, – their songs sometimes didn't really seem like songs, mm-hmm. but just For like sure. little bursts of like, like little tantrum bursts or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> really interesting. Like almost like little pieces of poetry or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Those are usually the pe- the part, the ones that I like to be honest. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And that see they're they're kind of a weird anomaly because for them to have existed in the punk rock scene of that era, mm-hmm. <clears throat> no other band that would have, I, I feel like no other band really did so like the Minutemen. No, I think that they were completely original in that, within that scene and movement and with those other bands. Yeah. I don't, I mean, there were a couple bands that experimented, I think with, some elements of it but not in the same way so yeah yeah. absolutely did you did you watch the uh, documentary the uh, we jam econo the story of the minutemen i think i did it came out a while ago though right yeah a um, few years yeah i'd say probably 10 years ago maybe yeah Yeah, something along those lines and yeah it was a it was an excellent documentary Mm -hmm. um they uh mike watt seems like the coolest old dude yeah just like when he taught he seems like like my my dad if my dad was like you know like a like a socialist or something (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, you know, I know that sounds like a really lame description, but I can't think of any other way to <laughs> put it. You know, like that that's yeah. the lamest way to like describe Mike Watt. Uh, but I'm not going to apologize for <laughs> it. I mean, I'm this this is I've just decided I'm never going to apologize again for anything. I yeah, do. why would you? Exactly. What does it um, what does it get you? Yeah, exactly. I all it doesn't it gets change a, anything. No one ever forgives of, anyone. Are you serious? Come on, man. It's a bunch of, a bunch of laughs. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> even a smack in the face. I mean, what do I? Yeah. Like, what do I get out of Apollo? Like, really, Nothing. truly, exactly. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> the uh, Minutemen is great. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to uh, talk real quick about. Uh, something we talked about previously. Hmm. Um, I finally watched the second Twin Peaks series. Oh, the return. Yeah. The return. Yes. And I got to say, um, I know that that I'm totally outdating myself because that's what, that was three years ago. That was so 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. I haven't seen it uh, until now. Yeah. And I got to say, that uh, I like it just as good as mm-hmm. the original series. Yeah, I do. I can I, see I, that. Yeah, I really like it. I, I think that it was one of the best <clears throat> um, returns, one of the best series that returned from yeah the nineties. I I think that um, I think that depending on what you liked about Twin Peaks, you will either really like it or probably really not like it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it has quirky characters, I guess, but they're not quirky fun anymore. They're like quirky uh, bad. (laughs) Yeah, there's well, except for except for the characters that actually are in Twin Peaks, like the sheriff's office, like those characters, Mm -hmm. they're still I mean, they get kind of dark later, but. Mm -hmm. They kind of retain like that one. What's his name? Andy, mm-hmm. I think it is. Yeah. Which I I have a theory about Andy. I think that he was based on like Barney from Andy Griffith. Yeah, Barney Fife. I can see that. I think sure. he was. I think he was inspired by Barney Fife. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Gordon, uh, David Lynch's character, mm-hmm. he still was hilarious through the whole thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I love that one part where he's talking. I don't remember who he was talking to, but I think it was Diane he was talking to about something. And maybe you recall this, Eric, but he hmm. was like, he said like, oh, uh, somebody is a is a daughter of somebody who I know who is missing. And I told her and, and they live on a turnip farm. Hmm. And I told them that one day she'll probably turn up. <laughs> Like, do you remember that? I don't know. <laughs> just, you know, just these little silly things that, hmm. you know, David Lynch is just throwing in just to like, just to, you know, yeah. fuck with us, you know, <laughs> like that's, cause oh, that's for what sure. David Lynch does. Yeah. Well, there's so many moments of that too. And that's what I mean about like, if you like when it first started, I was just like, uh, Okay. This is Twin Peaks, but we're starting in, I think it starts in New York, right? And right. then it goes to Las Vegas. And then it's like, 
North Dakota, I think, or whatever. And it's just like, what the hell are we ever going to get back to Twin Peaks? And it takes a while. But yeah, I think they did that on purpose, like to show us that um, this story isn't about Twin Peaks, you know? Right. And um, we don't I don't really think I know what it's about, but um, I know that it's bigger than Twin Peaks as they present it, you know. So I think that was part of it. Um, but yeah, it's like I think it's uh, really a lot of fun. It's, I mean, if you're a Twin Peaks fan and you've spent the last 25 years theorizing about what everything means and 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 whatever else, this is going to be super gratifying in one way uh because it's just 18 more hours of mystery um but you're not really going to get any answers i mean i think you can make up answers that you're getting (laughs) but nothing definitive i don't think they ever come out and say this is what was happening you know or even or even this is what's happening so i don't know it's a lot of red herrings and it just it's a, more of an exploration of it's like variations on a theme sort of idea i think it's not yeah like this is twin peaks and these are these characters it's like these are like little vignettes based on the atmosphere and some of the ideas of twin peaks and the characters might show up but you know are they really the same characters is this even the same timeline or world or reality or you know it's just like it's pretty um i don't know the right word um inconclusive i guess i would say yeah (laughs) kind of like if you're looking for answers i i don't even know if i'd watch it but if you just want more interesting exploration of some of these ideas from twin peaks then yeah it's pretty cool so i don't know that's my take on it yeah, I I also think maybe there's an element of um you know like when a lot of musicians are asked about their lyrics and their response mm-hmm. is that we prefer to have them open to interpretation. Mhm. I wonder if there's an element of that with David Lynch's directing and sort of like the way that he, you know, writes the concepts of mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. For sure. Cuz I I can't think of any other because like what you were saying, you can make up your own conclusions and Mm -hmm. yeah, like the whole thing with that. I found pretty just hilarious about the, uh, the series was how most, not all of them, but most of the episodes concluded at the bang, bang bar. Oh yeah. At the roadhouse. Yeah. Just like some random, like, band playing live like oh yeah and it's like this small town where like nine inch nails just happens to be playing at this bar the, you know? the like, nine inch nails the nine inch nails right, yeah and then you have eddie vetter as like yeah some but it's like guy. his real name oh is that his real name yeah like yeah, they that, use his real name eddie vetter is not his real name no i didn't know that i don't uh, remember what his name is let's see yeah i don't remember either but that so they used his real name, like in Edward that. Edward Lewis Severson the third. Yeah, Edward yeah. Lewis. So why why did he call himself Eddie? Why is he calling himself Eddie Vedder as the stage name? I wonder. I don't know. 
That's the nineties. <laughs> yeah, but I just I don't know. I guess Yeah, I mean I, Edward Lewis Severson the third sounds way cooler to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or exactly. Eddie three. I mean shit. Eddie, yeah, Eddie three. <laughs> Well, there's got to be an Eddie 2, because Eddie 1 is the Iron Maiden monster. Yeah, Eddie 2 is uh, Killers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay. Eddie 2 is Killers. And then Eddie 3 is Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Uh, Now, for some odd reason, I'd like to see, like, Iron Maiden records with, like, Eddie Vedder in place of like Eddie. Yeah. On the well, Eddie three is number of the beast. <laughs> okay. So we should just call got- all Iron Maiden records. Eddie one, Eddie, Eddie two, Eddie three. three. Yeah. So uh, they're, uh, they're up to like yeah. what? Eddie 15. I don't even know. <laughs> so, well, and it's true. Cause Eddie does look different on every single cover. Oh man. What's your favorite Eddie? If you had to choose. Oh man, boy, that's a <laughs> very difficult one. It's somewhere between. Between the cyber Eddie on somewhere in time. Yeah. And I don't care for the album that much, mm-hmm. but I really like the cover of no prayer for the dying. Is that, uh, um, Oh yeah. That's the one where he's like, Oh, he's busting through a wall. Yeah. He's busting through a wall. A door. I really, yeah. I really like that one. And then I would mm-hmm. have to say seventh son of seventh son. Pretty good. And then I would have to say killers. Killers. Well, actually, both of the Paul Diano albums, I love both of those covers. Yeah, the Iron Maiden one, he looks almost more like a crack addict than... Yeah, he really does. ...than like a zombie. I don't know what Eddie's considered. Is he... I mean, he's a re- yeah. he has to be some sort of reanimated corpse, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only thing I can think of. I, I don't know. The, uh, I think IDW or some comic company did an Iron Maiden comic recently. Oh, dang. And uh, Eddie is actually like a character in it with like, you know, he's actually talking and everything. Maybe in there they explain what Eddie, what Eddie is. Eddie's <laughs> his origin story. I mean, his, yeah. his, his, his fictional origin story. We all know right, his, his right, real right. origin story. But. Yeah, he, he, was, he was the um, a crack addict. No. Like. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had a, a, a banner. Right, that they hung behind the band, and it had this face on it that they like carved oh, yes. or something. Yes. Yep. And they just called it the head, and yep. so because they're English, it was the Ed, and then they just went with Eddie. Oh, so. okay. Now I didn't know the part about the head. The, yeah. And they called it the yeah. Ed. Right. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. So Eddie, I think huh, my fa- well, my favorite. Oh shit. I think my fr- favorite Eddie was the cover of the Purgatory single, because when I was a kid, I had a friend named Joe, and I'm not going to have last names or whatever, but um, we would sit in his room and be juvenile delinquents or whatever, and he had the poster of Iron Maiden Purgatory, and half of it is the devil from the um, uh, Number of the Beast's face, and then the other half is Eddie's face, and it's like cracking apart, and something about the eyes on the devil part of it scare me to death even to this day i love it wow i really like the live after death eddie too coming out of the grave that one that one is fun yeah that one's so good Um, i mean the all of the iron maiden covers from the 80s like 
uh, Egyptian Eddie on Power Slave. Oh yeah, oh that's a beautiful amazing. cover. Um, yeah, I mean the whole, the the entire catalog. Number of the Beast Eddie's awesome too. I mean, oh yeah. Um, I I mean yeah, I can't. I they like made... Peace of Mind Eddie. He seems like really pretty out of control on that one. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, he really's like breaking <laughs> chains and stuff. But when when does he not seem out of control really? I mean, when's he just he seems... mellow? I actually think the seventh son, even though it's a really cool cover, I think it doesn't yeah. have very much action. It's like a very no. still and kind of picture and somewhere, somewhere in time too. kind yeah, of Yeah, somewhere in time. He's just kind of posed. standing still and it looks like he's like almost like a hero getting ready to fight a battle right. or something. Have you seen uh, the stranger in a strange land single from somewhere in time? Yes, I have. That's that really awesome. cool. Where yeah. he's like wearing, he's wearing like a trench, coat. a duster and shit. Yeah. And he's like yeah. walking oh, into a, like a space bar, right? Yes. A yes. space bar, I, like on your keyboard. <laughs> like, I like, I like, I like that term space bar. Um, the, uh, you know, that somewhere uh, in time was inspired by Blade Runner, right? Oh, no. It yeah, that sense. entire record. That, that's actually my favorite. That might be my favorite Maiden album. It's really period. good. It has wasted it's, years on it, right? Yeah, I mean, wait, yeah, wasted oh, years. Such a good just song. Alone, wasted years. But like. Yeah. It's either that, and this this is going to sound strange to people, but it's either that or one of the two Paul Diano records for me. I love both of those records. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people like will be like, oh, no way. You got to pick a Bruce record as your favorite. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, Bruce, in terms of like uh, what he brought to the table, I mean... I don't think Iron Maiden would be the band today, maybe, if yeah. uh, if they hadn't had Bruce start singing well, with them on Number sure. of the Beast. And they but, knew that, and that's why they got him. Exactly. But Paul Diano was perfect for those first two records in a, in a, such a way that I don't think Bruce Dickinson could have done those records justice that no, way. No, they had a lot of energy. Yeah. And so. his vocals were a lot different than bruce's mm-hmm. uh but i think he's also an underappreciated vocalist i think i think he was just as good as dickinson but he was just different in a different way yeah for sure yeah, yeah. in a different way I, and he he actually does uh not so much on those maiden records but uh i've i've heard some of his stuff that he's done in later bands oh yeah um and uh he actually can reach those high notes I mean, mm. not to a Bruce Dickinson level, but right. I yeah, no, I love Killers. Like Killers is just me too. Murders in the Rue Morgue so, is oh probably my, my second favorite Maiden song. So it's I don't know though. Actually, now now that we're actually in this conversation, like I was just fucking around talking about Eddie, right? <laughs> but now that we're actually here, I have a lot that i could talk about <laughs> you know, i love just, number of the beast I you like, know what we wow. should do you know what we should do what's that we should do an episode where we just we do personal rankings of iron maiden records <laughs> okay i'm into it i'm i'm not kidding so we just like do I, like four maiden records okay yeah we'll we'll talk about, yeah yeah let's do that all right we'll uh, plan for next, it in the future next you know, or we can even do it next week Oh my gosh! I don't know if I'll be ready by then. You don't know if you'll be ready. I got to go Come through on. the whole discography. All right. So I know what your favorites are going to be. Your favorites are going to be the X Factor. Oh Vir- no! Yeah. Virtual Eleven, Absolutely. Dance of Death. And have you seen the cover of Dance of Death? 
No, I've never heard Dance of Death. Is you're, it pretty good? You're, you're, no, no, you're, I mean, in my opinion, I oh, think that, that was, cover. It looks like a Resonance cover. <laughs> oh, it kind of does, actually. <laughs> it's not very fitting for a uh, Iron Maiden record, Well, it just though. looks like kind of crappy late 90s CGI. Like, it yeah. looks just like Bad Day at the Midway. <laughs> that That's exactly what it looks like, and it came out in 2003. Oh, wow. And so they were, like, dated on that. And oh, there's a couple boy. of good songs on there. There's a couple of good songs, but, man, I actually think that that, that record is the worst Maiden record hmm. ever released. I can't wait to even, hear it. <laughs> even worse than the Blaze Bailey records, which actually, uh, the Blaze Bailey records uh, had a couple of good songs on them, too, I think. Hmm. But, like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, let's do an Iron Maiden right, episode. We will later. Let's, later let's, in the uh, future, let's cut this conversation off so we don't. Let's use let's do all that. of our fans Maiden uh, fodder. Listeners, <laughs> you you have our word. There is an Iron Maiden episode that's yeah. going to be coming up at some point. So be sure to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> if you hate Iron Maiden, this is not for you. We're going to be doing the uh, worst Iron Maiden records. Yeah. Um, you remember in the 90s when that was like an actual advertising um, style, like telling people not to get into your product? Like, if you can't handle Mr. Pibb, then get the fuck out. You know, like. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Was no, that real... I, I made that up. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you now, can't handle the extreme gushers. Like, yeah. Talk- yeah, okay. I do remember that. Yeah, now that you mention it. I, the gushers yeah. thing, I do remember. But like. And also like warheads. Remember warheads? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're um, good. But like, but like, uh, uh, Mr. Pib. There was something about Mr. Pib that you said that blew mine and John Burns. Oh, mind put it week. in your head. Yeah. Yeah, put it in your head. Okay, all right. Uh, I think it would have been great if they if they actually would have been like, <laughs> put it in your head or get the fuck out. <laughs> if you can't put it in your head, you're a. I don't even. What would be a thing they would say in the nineties? I don't know. Put it in your head or, or get out. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, I do remember that. And also, do you remember the, uh, like in the late nineties, all those cash money and like no limit, like records. Mm -hmm. Do you remember like, you you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like juvenile and master P. I mean, on a cursory level. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you you were aware of them. Uh, Yeah. I knew they existed. Yeah. But like, (laughs) Did you ever see any of their advertisements? They they did no. TV commercials. Oh wow! And it was just like, it was just so funny. It's like, if you lack tough lyrics and blah blah blah, you know, <laughs> it was just like yelling. It's like Master P and No Limit, you know. And like I always thought that like it would be funny if like emo rap did that, Shit. but they did it in like the style that they do the rapping in. Oh nice, yeah. You know, so it's like. If you lack, the, you know, I, I can't even do it. But you know how, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. it sounds like they're drinking codeine or something all the time because they probably yeah. are. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know what the youth is. Try the new Mr. Pibb scissor up. Mr. Pibb scissor up. Put it in your head and then put your head on a pillow. That sounds like a really cool punk song, though. Put it in your head. Put it in your head. Um <laughs> <laughs> so oh man i'm kind of i don't know I, I this mr pib with codeine fucking actually is kind of doing it for me 
<laughs> it's like I'm gonna try to hitting, figure out how to make that happen. <laughs> it's hitting all the right spots, huh? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure that one out. There we go. If anyone out um, there, well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, right. we got we got uh, some records that we're gonna talk yeah, about. Yeah, let's and, do uh, do the damn thing. If you can't handle the records, yeah. then get out. Yeah. You may not be able to handle these records, actually, this this week. Yeah, you I think may we're not be we're pushing to. some boundaries, guys. Get ready. We, we are. There's there's some stuff. There's we're, some stuff on we're these. Stepping ones. out. Yes, we're ste- step into a world. Uh, anyway, um, so I'm 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 first. Yeah. Huh? Hit it. Okay, so the one that I'm going to talk about first. Is from this band called Boris, which I think there's probably, I don't know. I would suspect that a lot of our listeners probably know who Boris is. But if you don't know who Boris is, they're a Japanese band that really has done just about every style of heavy music you can imagine at this point. I mean, they've dabbled in noise, avant-garde, experimental stuff they've done stoner rock they've done drone they've done punk they've done grunge they even have an album that i think sounds kind of like the deftones hmm. um even like almost like i don't know like atmospheric emo indie type stuff they've done uh they've done collaborations with like Mersbo. they've toured with nine inch nails Obviously, they're influenced by the Melvins because the band, I think, I think, and I've read this, is named after the first track off the Bullhead album. Hmm. Um, and so that when they first started out, though, they kind of, uh, for the most part, leaned more towards the sludge metal realm. And so this record is called Amplifier Warship. And... Uh, it's five tracks of just pure in your face, heavy doom. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, and it's just, um, I mean, I don't think any of the tracks are less than seven and a half minutes long. And in fact, three of them are over 10 minutes long. And it just is a punishing record that if you like stuff like Neurosis and Isis and and Melvins uh, and, um, you know, Sun, uh, all of that stuff, I think that you'll dig. Um, and uh, there's just, it's just a really well done, like, doomy metal album, in my opinion. I just, I really like... Um, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's very repetitive in parts. I mean, the, the same riff repeats over and over again for the first, like five or six minutes, at least of the first track. But I mean, what else would you expect from, you know, a lot of good doom records do that and they build upon that intensity as it keeps going. The second track, however, which is, I believe, uh, let me look this up here real quick. It is, um, and I can't, like, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this song title wrong, but 
Ganbu Key. That's the best I can do. Uh, it's 16 minutes long, and that's the second track. And after five minutes of just pure in-your-face doomy noise, it then goes into this, like, really weird jam, like this psychedelic trippy jam for literally, like, ten minutes. And there's even a part where it stops, and it's silent with, I think, maybe you hear, like, a little bit of just picking going on on like one of the higher strings on the guitar and then it just goes goes right back into it like it's almost like this it's like the best way that i can describe it is like dark psychedelic funk or something and it's it's so cool it's like it's honestly like this is gonna sound really weird but it's one of the reasons why i really got into this record was that specific part um and I would have been into it anyway, because I really like the rest of the record, which isn't, I mean, there's no, there's really no other surprises like that on the rest of the record because it's the rest of it is just straight up, you know, just doom metal basically. But when I heard that, I just, for some reason, my jaw just dropped. I was just like, this is incredible. And it's, it says something I'm not, I think I've expressed this on the show before. I'm not exactly a, a fan of this kind of music all the time. And for this record to really like, just strike me in, in this way. Um, it's, it's kind of an anomaly, uh, as far as, uh, you know, my personal taste. Cause normally I, you know, I don't, I don't listen to this kind of stuff. But for some reason, this record just hit the right notes uh, with this style of music. And the thing that I really like about the band Boris is that they they've never they're like a chameleon. They just they change a lot. I mean, they still stay within the confines of basically metal, punk, what have you. But they're always experimenting with stuff. And uh, so, yeah, um, I I love this record. Um Eric, what do you think of it? Uh, yeah. So, um, believe it or not, I haven't listened to a ton of Boris. Um, I listened to Pink because I think that was a really popular album. Um, Mm -hmm. and I liked it. And I listened to uh, Kuma no Uda. Um, and the reason I listened to that one is because it was the cover is a parody of a Nick Drake record. Um, yeah. Brighter later, which is a beautiful yep. record. So I was like, well, maybe this is Boris's beautiful record. And to be honest, I don't remember much about either of the records. I listened through them one time. So sure. Um, even though Boris butts up against a lot of things that <clears throat> I would listen to, um, for some reason, I just I didn't spend a lot of time on them. Um, and so what I expected from this record is not exactly what I got, which is awesome. You know, um, there is a lot of heavy guitar feedback. There's a lot of held out notes for a long time. I mean, it is in essence a doom record, and that's great. But. There's a ton of other elements there, too, especially rhythmic elements. 
Um, and yeah, like honestly, what it reminded me most of was um, some of the heavier, later sort of Hawkwind. Um, I don't know if you listen to much Hawkwind. Oh, but, um, interesting, interesting. Yeah, like uh, especially the Do Re Mi record um, and the uh, Space Ritual, which I think is the live one. Um, yeah. A lot of the, especially that second track that you talked about when it goes into that break. Yeah. Um, just the motoric sort of rhythm, you know, it was just kind of it really reminded me a lot of Hawkwind, um, crowdier psych stuff, you know, um, which I really did not expect. Um, and it went a lot of different places as the record went on. Um, a lot of different elements of sound, a lot of different vocal types of vocal performances, um, really listenable and enjoyable in my mind. Like, when I saw that you picked Boris, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, we'll just listen to, you know, 40 minutes of four songs, you know, and it'll just be <laughs> doom. And right. And if we're lucky, it, it might veer into stoner slightly and have a bit of a groove every once in a while. But right. instead, this really did a lot of different things. It really did. And it wasn't just, <clears throat> you know, it's like, it wasn't just like dope smoker stuff. And I mean the song, not the person. Right. Or people, right. But it wasn't just relying on this idea of what heavy means or whatever. Like it, you know, I always say that when it comes to stoner and doom stuff is like the thing that most of them miss when they're trying to act like black Sabbath is they miss the swing. You know, they miss what made those songs, uh, what made them have very variables and right. different elements. It wasn't just like the break of Sabbath, bloody Sabbath over and over and over again forever, you know? And so uh, I think that Boris uh, kind of explored some of that. I think that there were some different rhythms and different ideas explored. So I, I'm glad you picked it. I really ended up liking it when I kind of didn't think that I was going to. So awesome yeah, man. yeah yeah i liked it and I'll, I'll probably go back and listen to more of their stuff after this i kind of stayed away from it and i've talked about that before how what you think a band is can keep you from experiencing what they are you know absolutely and uh absolutely. that happened for sure with boris and me so yep and uh you mentioned hawkwind mm-hmm. and that's that's an interesting comparison i've listened to a little bit of hawkwind mm-hmm. uh but I have not fully immersed myself in the world of Hawkwind. I know that they, um, it seems like they're a very interesting band from that time period. Um, and I mean, they're still around, aren't they? Uh, that I don't know. I, I, okay. I'm not sure. I know that they, uh, a lot of their themes dealt with like space and things like that. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I assume they probably used a lot of synthesizers and stuff like in some of their music. uh, Some. Yeah. I I mean, yes, they did. Um, But more so, I think, I think they were just like kind of a, I think they put the rock in kraut rock. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like they really do kind of play rock music. And I think that that sort of changed over time. I would say that, in the beginning, 
like like I said, especially there's a record called Do Re Mi Fa So La Tito. It's spelled like yeah. three different words. For me, that one hits. Like that's the one where I'm just like, this is super cool. And then they get a little more into maybe like mountain territory or something like that. Ah, um, okay. And then ultimately get into sort of some yes territory, especially after Lemmy leaves the band. So kind of progish. Yeah, and so I, I'm sure there's tons of synthesizers and and stuff in the later stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, I think they still are making music. How many of the original members are in that? I don't know. How much of it's, you know, re-releases and things? I don't know either. So, sure. but I would say there's definitely a time where I stop listening to them. You know, sure, sure. And so, um, I I'm not an expert by any means. So, sure. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna need to. Uh, I'm going to need to listen to some of that stuff. Is there a particular, I mean, you mentioned a couple out. Is there any particular place where you recommend to start? I would start with, with the first three records personally. Okay. And then um, now the do, live one too is super good. I think it's called Space Ritual if I'm not. Okay. Mistaken. I think you're right because I've seen that. I've definitely searched for them. Yeah. Um, are Now is Lemmy on those first three records then? Um, shoot, that's a tough one. Um, okay, I don't know exactly when Lemmy left. I always just figured he was in Hawkwind until uh, Motorhead started up. Okay, so I just well, kind of based it on that idea, you know that. Um, okay, it was probably the first few records. So I'll have to dig into it, man. I'll yeah. have to dig into and it. And if I'm wrong, please send us a message. <laughs> I yeah. would love to hear from anyone ever about this yes. show. Like I enter yeah. interact with even us. if it's to tell me I'm an idiot. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. <laughs> let us let us know if we're wrong. Yeah, please. And then we'll correct yes. ourselves because I can't live with the uh, shame of being wrong. <laughs> yeah the shame of being wrong that's that's great yeah um all right podcast episode title locked in duh <laughs> <laughs> the shame of being wrong oh my gosh yeah I, I love it i love it i like it i like it uh i don't know about how you feel about oh it. i don't whatever you name the episodes is is your business I leave it in your hands. <laughs> well, I you're trust part you, of this show I'm too, saying. Eric. I'm, I'm saying I trust your opinion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're part of this show too. If, eh. if uh, you know, nah, you're good at <laughs> you, it. I, I would just be no, nah, not good. Well, at it, so, yeah, that's debatable. But, uh, thank you very uh-huh. much, Eric. That was very sweet. That was very kind. <laughs> We're having a Kodak oh, moment on air. Cute. <laughs> All right. Should I go with a, a pick here? I believe you I should. I don't know which one to do. I know I pre- I'm not Hollywooding, by the way. That's a, a poker <laughs> term when you're pretending to not know if you're going to place a bet or not. Um, but that's sure. not what I'm doing here. I'm really deciding which way to go. Let's go with Crack Cloud. Yes. Crack Cloud. The record is Crack called Cloud. Pain Olympics, and it came out in 2020. So... Uh, this is a sort of a little behind the scenes thing that no one ever asked about. Um, but I pick my records based on just if someone tells me about it, if I just happen to find it by the recommended, if you like, or whatever on Spotify, 
um, whatever. Usually I pick it and then I listen to it to make, you know, to decide if I want to talk about it. And then as we kind of close in on the time that um, we're going to do the podcast, I actually then research the band just so I can have an idea of what I'm talking about a little bit. But uh, the reason I mentioned that is that both of my picks this week ended up being kind of interesting. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that because not all the time when I look into the bands, is it interesting? It's like, these dudes are from Detroit, you know, like, wow. Okay. Right. But, um, yeah. So anyway, with that, uh, said crack cloud is from Vancouver and they are a collective and they have many, many members like, I don't even think they're all credited on the record. They probably don't even all perform on the record because some of them, some of them do art, some of them do dance, some of them do spoken word or whatever. But um, what brought them together is that they are all recovering addicts. Um, They all live in an area of Vancouver called downtown Eastside. And um, I, I went through this area when I was in Vancouver and no joke. I mean, I'm not, I mean, obviously it's not a joke cause it's super serious. It was the scariest place I've ever been like in my life. Wow. It looked like, it looked like a bomb went off and there were just bodies strewn on the street everywhere you looked. Like people were just, passed out in the middle of the street hunched over throwing up just and just a hundred people in this like one corner where two blocks came together just on each corner were probably 20 people um either going through withdrawal or just on drugs and it was really scary um and so anyway um, turns out that these people come from that area and they actually have a house in that area and it's sort of like a recovery house and they, um, they use music and they use this project to sort of support themselves, not financially, maybe financially a little bit, but also, I mean, just as a, uh, a support system. And so, um, I think that's really cool. And I did honestly, I didn't know anything about that. So, uh, when I picked it, but yeah, so they're all recovering addicts. Um, the music itself is really, really cool. And, um, I'm just going to name off some things that it reminds me of, cause then it will sort of help me expound upon those ideas. So, uh, I think there's a huge electric light orchestra influence on this. Um, it moves. It has a lot of um, vocals and uh, strings and uh, brass and things that come in. I think the way the songs move are very ELO. Super Devo in a lot of places, like mm-hmm. very much so. Um, uh, the main vocalist, I think, sounds a lot like Mick Jones. And so like Big Audio Dynamite and... Um, some clash stuff. I think that if you like that vocal style, then that's what he sounds like to me. Maybe, maybe that mixed with, um, 
It's like a little lispier and maybe a little more German than English. I don't know. It's hard to place his voice, but it's super enjoyable. Uh, and it also sounds like maybe Godspeed and Polyphonic Spree in, in some moments. And I think, honestly, that might come from the collective element of this. I feel like bands, when they have like, and I sort of can speak from experience here, if you have 12 to 15 people in your band and you decide to have them all hit at the exact same moment doing the same thing where they were all meandering before and they all come together it can be really powerful and i think um that honestly i just feel like it comes from having so many people that if you point them in a direction it's going to have some impact um and so that element comes through to me and it, it does have sort of a post rock element to it and it has sort of a post punk element to it too it's like I mean, Tuxedo Moon and things like that, I think, could fit right in there as well. So uh, anyway, it's it's upbeat, uh, but it's also dealing with some heavy stuff, you know, like about the uh, recovery elements of it. There's a lot of vocal samples of people who are going through things and they're willing to talk about it. Um, I think it has really beautiful and interesting arrangements, um, atmospheric interludes. Um, yeah, I just think it's a super enjoyable record from beginning to end and finding out that, uh, the impetus of it and, and what it means to the people making it only made it better for me. So yeah. What'd you think, Dan? Man, um, this is, this is an incredible record. I've, uh, listened to it, um, a number of times already. Mm -hmm. Um, it's super good driving music Mm. and, uh, the reason why I say that you mentioned that it's upbeat, but it's also dealing with a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I picked up on that right away. And so it's very inspiring. And I think that one of the things having you clarify the, their backstory Mm -hmm. makes it just that much more powerful Mm -hmm. because to me, and this is going to sound maybe a little cheesy, but it's just, it's a great example of what the power of music can really do and can actually like bring together people in otherwise very dark situations to do something uplifting, you mm-hmm. know? And so, I mean, that's cause, cause I think everything that you mentioned um, about this record, uh, I agree with. I, I was actually kind of in my head trying to figure out who, the vocalist sounded like to me and Mick Jones, I think is right on the money. Mm. Um, I would definitely say Devo, mm-hmm. um, ELO. I can't really comment on cause I'm not too familiar, mm. but, um, I also heard quite a bit of, um, like sort of a hip hop thing kind of mm. going mm-hmm. on too. Um, so I heard maybe a little bit of like, I don't know, something like early Beck kind of going sure. on and, maybe something like uh well even like the streets you know Mm -hmm. or something along those lines because there's that one track i think it's track two where he's kind of doing like a rap sort of Mm -hmm. and uh he's at least just talking there yeah yeah he's at least talking and it's i would say it's somewhere between spoken word and rap Mm -hmm. uh is kind of how i would describe it and then yeah i definitely hear like elements of like the godspeed uh you know um 
the Godspeed and uh, stuff like that kind of going on too, because there's almost like this magical sort of like sound kind of going on. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of like, it's interesting because that's, that's kind of like the first half of the record. And then like, yeah, like the last three songs basically sounds like a new wave record, Mm -hmm. which would be where the Devo thing kind of comes in. And it's just such an interesting, an interesting example of how I think music can just bring people together under, you know, really, really like, um, really bad, you know, like negative circumstances and Mm -hmm. create something positive out of it. And so, yeah, the fact that they have that backstory is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think so, Um, too. I I will say also um, there's a video for the song The Next Fix, mm -hmm. and it's really cool. That's it. Just everyone should should, uh, (laughs) check out that video because it's really also uplifting, and it represents the album really well. So I think you could watch that video and decide if that's what you want to listen to so yeah i really enjoyed that last track the uh, angel dust eternal oh, peace me too yeah i mean that was i mean the entire record is incredible mm-hmm. but yeah there's it's uh, one of the things that i really liked about it is that you just it's kind of impossible to narrow down exactly what it is musically mm-hmm. and that's i think that's awesome yeah absolutely um and it sounds to me like they're doing it for the love of it too, you know, the love of music. Yeah. And that's just it's awesome. Yeah. It's great. For sure. I uh wow, yeah, that's some heavy stuff right there. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely some heavy stuff for sure. Um So how long ago was it that you were in that area, Eric? Uh, I would guess that would be uh, 3 years ago maybe. Oh, really? 3 wow. or 4. Yeah. Fairly, fairly recently, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, Other than that, did you like Canada? We were only there for one night, but yes, I loved it. (laughs) I absolutely loved it. Uh, I wanted to stay longer. I want to go back sometime. I've always wanted to visit Canada. Everyone's cool. Like mellow. You know? I don't know. That's. It was also during, like, you know. Things were kind of scary here in the States. And so it was like to go there and just have everyone be chill and not so anxious and divisive felt really cool. It was like a a reprieve from uh, reality in a way. So it was Hmm. nice. Interesting. Interesting. That's cool. All right. So uh, my next uh, pick that I have is a record from the – hip-hop duo known as Idea and Abilities, which uh, consisted, they're no longer around, but it consisted of the rapper Idea and uh, DJ Abilities. And they're also known as like E&A. That was the title of their second record. Mm -hmm. This was their third and final record because unfortunately Idea um, passed away like a year after this record was released. Mm. Um, And... uh, they were on Rhyme Sayers, which is Atmosphere's label. And um, <clears throat> this is a very different record compared to the first two Idea and Abilities records. For those of you who don't know anything about Idea and Abilities, I don't know much about DJ Abilities, but I know quite a bit about Idea. Um, his uh, real, his birth name was uh, Michael Larson. 
and he um, was uh, just a a really really great freestyle rapper. He kind of made waves in the battle rap scene when he was like really young in like the late nineties, um, and eventually got a deal and uh, released some independent hip hop. Uh, I legend has it that. I don't know how true this is, but legend has it that Puff Daddy at one time wanted to sign him and kind of make him bad boys version of Eminem. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not really sure how true that really is, but I'm really glad that he didn't and went down the path that he did. Now the first two idea and abilities records are pretty, I'm not going to say standard, but a lot more traditional Mm -hmm. hip hop than this one. Um, With this record, Well, when it first came out, it actually got a lot of hate Hmm. from a lot of Idea and Abilities fans. And I think because they they weren't expecting it at all, Um, because this record is kind of just a weird combination Uh, and not weird in the sense that it's like particularly experimental or avant garde. It's just it's weird in the context of this is what idea and abilities left us with Mm -hmm. Um, because it's, it's the last thing they did and, and it is just totally unexpected. Um, It's like this sort of interesting combination of like, I don't know, grunge or punk or like noise rock mixed with um, traditional elements of hip hop but also experimental elements of hip hop. And then also maybe some like industrial or even like maybe just little bits of, I don't know, something like even like dubstep kind of thrown in. Mm. I mean, this kind of came in like sort or came out about that, that time when that stuff was kind of starting to become big Mm -hmm. and idea actually, I mean, he, he actually had like an indie rock band that he played with uh, besides idea and abilities so i i mean it's it wasn't really that surprising but it was also completely surprising at the same time if it makes any sense Mm -hmm. um i don't think this is a record for everybody it's become my favorite record from idea and abilities there there are times where it comes really close to like almost something like rap metal but not really Hmm. it um and and it not in a bad way, uh, by any means, um, but I just I really really enjoy it. I think, I think ideas lyrics, um, pretty depressing. There's there's definitely a lot of a lot of pain expressed on this record, um, but there's also parts of it that I think are just really really beautiful and really gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I think it's awesome that he was able to. Uh, you know, have put out a record like this because I think uh, as a listener, I think that this kind of sounds like the record that he had been maybe waiting to make Hmm. um, as a fan. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of rambling on about it. Uh, I really think it's a great record. Um, I, I would say if you're a fan of, you know, sort of, hip hop that kind of strays away from tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this is a record that you would really like. There's parts of it that almost sound like Nirvana Mm -hmm. 
or something like that through the filter of like, you know, a hip hop group. Um, so it's, it's not done in the same way as like, say something like the beastie boys. Mm -hmm. I would say it's definitely something a lot darker than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, me personally, I think the song, uh, smile, Mm -hmm. which there's a really great video for, I think that's possibly the best song, uh, from almost any artist that's ever been on rhyme sayers in my opinion. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I just think it's. I think it's great. Um, what did you think of this, Eric? Uh, yeah, I liked it quite a lot. Um, I had never heard of this or um, anyone involved in it or anything else. <laughs> so, um, sure. But I really enjoyed it. I really liked. Um, <clears throat> I liked the music a lot. It had. Um, it had it was seemingly just programmed or sampled beats, but mm-hmm. a lot of the guitar and actually the electric bass is it seemed real like they at least recorded and sampled real instruments and it gets really punky um but it is also really rappy too and i don't know if rappy is a word it's kind of goofy ass thing to say but um you know it is what it is uh but it does a lot of other things too like experiments with sound um it experiments with styles which I think you have to listen for, um, but it's definitely there. It definitely moves and changes. I like, um, I like the rapping for the most part, like what they're talking about, the lyrics, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that the delivery personally reminded me a lot of Danny Brown, but this is also way before. So, just, you know, I don't know if one influenced the other or if they've never heard each other or whatever. I don't know. But uh, the delivery of the vocals very much reminded me of Danny Brown on the the rapping parts. And then in the choruses, sometimes they would sing. And that, along with a lot of the music, would remind me of TV on the radio, like quite a lot. Mm. Um, and then also in some of the choruses, I heard a very heavy Radiohead influence. Like, I kind of think Tom York might have done a guest vocal on one of these songs, but maybe not. Um, (laughs) And then musically, I heard, uh, and I know that I talk about Black Moth Super Rainbow, like, literally every episode. But some of the synths, especially um, the one on By the Throat, I think, or maybe Smile, one of the last two songs, sounds just like that. Um, And a lot of the distorted beats and guitars and things remind me a lot of Ogre um, from Skinny Puppy. His solo records, especially Welt, reminded me a lot of that, which Welt is one of my favorite records ever, too. So all the sounds were there. The production was there. The performance and delivery were there. So, yeah, I really I liked it a lot. And um, I want to check out the other stuff, too. Um, I didn't get bored by this. You know, it's only 20, 90 minutes long, which is a good thing. Um, And it moves and changes the whole time. So, yeah, Yeah. I really enjoyed it a lot. I also think that this record, I think it's you made a really good point in talking about Danny Brown. Mm -hmm. I never really thought of it like that, but I, I think you're onto something there. And also, I've always said there's kind of been a um this sort of thing happening right now, especially in a lot of the modern 
like more mainstream rappers, mm-hmm. like sort of the more emo rap stuff, or at least that's what they're kind of calling sort of a lot of this auto tuned mm-hmm. sort of stuff that's going on today. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are kind of abandoning that and going more rock. Oh yeah. And this came out in 2009 mm-hmm. before that was anywhere near cool right. to do. And so I think this record it was ahead of its time. I think so too. If you would have told me this um, came out now, I'd be like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like, yeah. Like, but the fact it came out in 2009 mm-hmm. on an independent rap label, when I, all of the things that rap was kind of known for around that time had nothing to do with like rock, mm-hmm. you know, I think this was a really brave record for a group like idea and abilities to put mm-hmm. out um, around this time. Again, though, it makes sense when you actually like it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. at the same time. And that's what I like about yeah. it. It's it. The record was totally a mind fuck mm-hmm. for a lot of fans, I think. And I think it's a record that a lot of people are looking back on now and being like, oh, wow, this was actually really like. This was a really, really great record, and this was really original at the time. Mm-hmm. And it really, I think it kind of maybe in a, inadvertently influenced mm. a lot of what's going on today in rap. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, nice. I would recommend it. Um, and, yeah. All right. So what what do you, what else all you right, got from me? So Eric? the next album... <clears throat> is by an artist named Albert Eiler. Um, and the record is called Prophecy. It was recorded in 1964 and released in 1965. Um, Albert Eiler is a uh, avant-garde saxophonist, a pretty wild saxophonist, I would say. Um, influenced by, you know, Ornette Coleman and Charlie Parker, um, and other people too, but he also turned around and ended up being a big influence on other people. Um, yeah, I'm not a big jazz head. Like I don't, I like jazz and I listen to it. And when I find someone I like, I, I listen to them and then I listen to things that are like them and it kind of just keeps moving that way. So I got into this, um, you know, through listening to Ornette Coleman and, um, yeah, so this is some pretty wild stuff. And uh, the record I really liked um, is actually a live album. Um, let's see what it's called. Sorry. Live in Greenwich Village. Um, the Complete Impulse Recordings. I, I absolutely adored it. The first time I heard it, like, it took my breath away. But it's two hours and 14 minutes long. So I didn't really want to stick Dan with having to listen to that. So um, <laughs> I picked this other record, Prophecy, because it had a similar tone to it. It was live um, and it, it moved a lot. And so, okay, so I picked this. It's pretty wild stuff. Um, the drummer is Sonny Murray. Uh, I don't think he's very interested in keeping time. I don't think he sees that as the drummer's job. Um, and uh, the bass is Gary Peacock. Um, also not that interested in necessarily always playing what's supposed to be being played. But 
every time Albert Eiler hits, um, the bass is right there, right along with him. And so, you know, I used to think that avant-garde meant um, just weird for weird sake, you know? And I sort of now have started to think that more it's like, um, it's more like a defiance of traditional norms. You know, it's, it's like, in order for something to be avant-garde, someone has to understand what they're rebelling against. And I think that comes through on this. Okay, so that's the first part of my review. It's awesome. If you like wild saxophone, go for it. The second part of this is I listened to it at home um, through my computer. And I was just listening to it. I was like, yeah, this is good. Um, I'm going to pick this and listen to it. And I think it'll be cool. I think Dan will like it because it's, you know, kind of Zorn, John Zornish or whatever. But then I listened to it again in my car and I was listening to it really loud, which uh, most people would probably not understand how that was possible. But I, I did. I was <laughs> I had it cranked and I kept hearing the sound in it. I kept hearing this. kind of stuff and i'm like what in the hell is going on like it scared me like i could not understand what was happening and so i love anything that just actually scares me when it comes to music because it's rare like when i don't understand what i'm hearing i don't understand how it was done or made or what the intention is or even the foundation of what's happening and it just it's so uncanny like it makes you it's so uh strange that you don't understand what's happening so um i looked it up and sonny murray the drummer as he's playing apparently moans and does these just weird vocal things and i don't know if dan i'll ask you this when i actually get done blabbing about this but it wasn't something I heard the first time around. I didn't notice it because the saxophone is so insane and intense and loud and abrasive and like there's nothing you can even pay attention to, um, which actually makes this a really good record for kind of deep um, uh, contemplation or like just sort of deep thinking because it's almost like meditative because you can't concentrate on anything but this outrageous saxophone. But anyway, if you turn it up really loud, you'll hear this moaning in the background and it is, I've not heard anything like it. It really, uh, it transcended the record for me. Like I was, I was somewhere else. And the first live thing I heard the Greenwich village one also did the same thing, but this was like, just an added element of insanity sort of and i don't mean to be dismissive by saying insanity i mean like i truly couldn't understand it but it put it squarely in this realm of things that i listen to that i'm actually scared of like i remember the first time i heard uh, crash worship um a spontaneo it's sort of live um and it starts with a live kind of drumming thing and then all of a sudden there's like shotgun shout sounds and like bombs and it's like what the hell is going on? It was so scary. Or if you listen to like Diamanda Gallus, like you listen to this stuff and you're just like, what, how this is terrifying. So, um, <laughs> with all that being said, uh, this record really does move and it goes places. 
and if you can get past how uh, crazy it sounds and you like that sort of thing, I think you'll really enjoy it. So sorry for that crazy long review, but I had to talk about this moaning in the background. So <laughs> what do you think, Dan? No, that's perfectly fine. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it for sure. Um, it's, uh, I didn't hear the moaning. Like I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was also listening to it in my van and mm. It was really funny because I was I was at a stoplight <laughs> when I was delivering food yeah. and I had the window rolled mm-hmm. down because it was a nice day and I felt so bad for the both the car in front of me and the car to the left of me because all yeah. they could hear coming from my van was um yeah Mm-hmm. I never heard that. I, I don't. Do you have to like turn it up to a certain? You have to turn it level? up, but you also have to be listening for it. Okay, yeah. and yeah, no, that that's that's amazing. I <laughs> did not know that. Um, free jazz is something that I like. In um, I like it when I like it. Meaning, basically, like I I really have to sort of be in the mood mm-hmm. for it you know, sort of thing. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I, I think it's great. Like I, I love the, um, art of improvisers by Ornette Coleman. Mm -hmm. That's, you mentioned Ornette Coleman as kind of like a reference point. And that's totally what this reminded Mm -hmm. me of. It also kind of reminded me of the record at times. Oh yeah. By Charles Mingus Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, this stuff is always, really fun to listen to uh because it reminds me that music doesn't always have to be like the this super structured like sort of thing all the Mm -hmm. time you know what i mean and that you can actually do something that is putting a lot of thought into it with sound Mm -hmm. And I struggle with that because I'm, I'm really kind of, sometimes I admit I get stuck in that sort of like way of thinking, well, this has to have Mm -hmm. a structure to it. You know what I mean? Like, and I forget how amazing improv can kind of be. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this was all improv. No, because Um, there are two variations on the same piece and they're, they're actually really similar. Exactly. They're, they're really similar, but. I think, but free jazz also did experiment with mm-hmm. that a little bit with the various, you know, there's like, it, it also is just a reminder too that things don't always have to be the same every time mm-hmm. either. There can be like change. And I, I think that's awesome. That's one of the things that I've always really appreciated actually just about jazz in general, mm-hmm. not even, not even just like free jazz or fusion jazz and things like that. Just, Jazz in general, even like the bebop guys mm-hmm. used to kind of abide by that philosophy, yeah, you know? For sure. Um, and so it, it's really, really interesting to listen to. Um, but yeah, I have to really be in a certain <laughs> mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Like you were, like, like you were saying, um, it's really good, like thinking music. Mm-hmm. And so I always picture, you know, like this being in the background at some crazy party. Mm-hmm that I'm at where nobody knows what's going on. Like if I was in an episode of twin right. peaks, you know For what sure. I mean? This, 
this would be the perfect background music to something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's, it blows my mind that music like this, it's, it's kind of been made all along mm-hmm. and people forget that, you know what I mean? Right. Like, especially now where everything is so calculated, mm-hmm. like in at least the American music machine. Right. And it's crazy to think that this type of music jazz mm-hmm. is like the only style of music that you can really call an American style of music. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And yet mm-hmm. <laughs> our, uh, the American music machine is about so much structure yeah. and so much. It's crazy. Like, the, you know, how, how experimental that stuff really goes. Oh, for sure. Like just the, the fact that they would even leave the parts in where he's moaning yeah. is mind. Well, I think they just were miking the drums and they just, I mean, it just picked them up. That's why it's so quiet yeah. and weird. It's just like, and he was probably getting into yeah. it in some way. And that's probably exactly what it yeah. was. Yeah. The only time it stops is when it goes into like a bass solo, like when the drums stop essentially. You talked about John Zorn. Mm-hmm. Definitely hear that. But what I also hear, honestly, is like, this is basically what Dillinger Escape Plan did with metal. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, even, I don't know, something like, have you ever heard like the Flying Lutenbachers? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, stuff like that, where it's uh, basically like, what what those bands do, what those bands mm-hmm. did, were basically like this with distorted guitars. <laughs> Cool. I mean, it, you know, that that's kind of the way that I yeah. it's it's I I definitely think that this kind of stuff had way more of an influence on heavy music than a lot of people think oh, I'm or sure. even know about. Well, I mean, I can't imagine anything in 1964 being much heavier than this. No, absolutely you know I mean? not. Like if you think yes. about the Beatles being on Ed Sullivan or something compared to this, like it's not even like one. Whichever one you want to choose isn't even music compared to the other one. <laughs> it yeah. can go either way on that, but yeah, they're they're just so um, so different that they barely resemble each other as being the, the same thing, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. That you know, I think people think shit gets weird now. You know, like it can't be any weirder yeah. than it is now. It's like I don't yeah. know. You guys got if you're out there trying to be weird right now. You got some work to do. Like, and honestly, yeah, if you're trying to be weird, you're probably not going to pull it off. You know no, what I mean? Like, true. you have to be, you have to be committed to your weirdness. You have to lean into the thing yep. that you probably hate most about yourself. Like this Sonny Murray guy, I'm sure that he would rather not moan the entire time he plays the drums. <laughs> and he yeah. probably wasn't stoked that it was, that it showed up on the recording. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, if you're out there trying to be weird, I don't know. It's probably not going to work. Like, find the thing that truly makes you you to the point that you don't even like it. And that's probably where you'll you'll find the thing that makes you really different. You know? Yeah, it's kind of like that whole, like, everyone's their worst critic sort of aspect. Yeah, but just use it. Lean into it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like... Make be the things yeah, you hate. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Shine a light on the things you try to hide from people and that will be your 
that will be your um, legacy, you know? Yeah, definitely. So anyway. <laughs> oh, man. So um, the uh, local yeah. Uh, yeah. review it's this week S- is really, L- really awesome. Yeah. SLWCCWatt, which I assume must have something to do with maybe sending files back and forth, you know, on email or something, you know? Yeah, I was kind of yeah, wondering about that, too, I but assume. I think you're right. That that must be what it is. Because yeah. this is Sam Lockward of Iowa City and Mike Watt of I don't know where. Um, I actually don't know. Uh, Sam, I think I think he lives in, like, I think it's like San Pedro, California oh, okay. or something like that. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Formerly, formerly of yeah, the Minutemen. Yeah. I think that's what everyone knows. Yeah, and uh, what? Firehose? Was that his other group? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, Firehouse. Yeah, Firehouse. Firehose is a (laughs) different thing. Yeah. I used to get, I used to be confused by that. I was like, Mike Watt was in a clamp? No, not quite. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Sam is, um, he's a classic dude. I mean, he's, he's been making music around here for a long time. Yeah. well before i knew him at all um probably over 20 years in this area so and he's very extremely prolific um he's had a few different groups um i'll just name a couple the eggnogs uh kick-ass tarantulas miracles of god cop bar but i think a lot of his stuff has mostly just been released as sam lock ward or sam lock ward and the fill in the blank band name garbage boys um numerous uh, other bands but um mostly as sam lock ward um yeah it's so his his output is so much that i've had a hard time um getting into his catalog because it's just intimidating i don't have a better word for it um but i have listened to a few things and um i've liked i like everything i've heard i really like sam's voice and i like his um sensibilities uh especially his pop sensibilities um his voice is really cool like um i hear him talk and i know that voice and then when he starts singing it's like wow where did that voice come from and um i hear a lot of different people in there and so, you know, I always kind of hate it when people tell me who I sound like or whatever. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I'll hear a little bit of um, Magnetic Fields uh, vocally, a little bit of, I don't know, maybe Bright Eyes or something like that. But mostly it just sounds like Sam, which is pretty cool because um, to have a voice that you can tell who it is right away and know that it's not someone else um pretty amazing um this day and age uh the record's pretty long i think there's 30 tracks um but about half of them are like 15 to 25 second kind of musical interludes with mike watt um doing sort of like uh beat poetry over it maybe or like a spoken word thing um and that's really cool like I said, all the songs are really cool, but I really like Sam's more poppy stuff. Like when I hear the synth come in and some drums that aren't even trying to sound real, I'm like, okay, here's a, we're going to, this is going to be a good one, you know? 
And so, and I really, yeah, I really like the sound of those. Um, Mike Watts bass sounds really nice on all of this. Um, I don't have to talk that much about Mike Watts bass playing. I mean, people have heard it, but I do think he's very intuitive and exciting. Um, I would guess that these songs were practiced a couple times and then just recorded. Like, I don't think he spent a lot of time, um, you know, trying to nail every nuance and, and everything with these bass parts or, or not nuance, but just the timing and things like that. Not that it's off, but it's loose and it, and it moves and it makes all of the songs move too. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know how Sam knows Mike, but uh, that's super cool. Sam seems to know a lot of people that, um, you know, are uh, bigger than the other people around here in Iowa City, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I liked, uh, like I said, all those interludes. Um, there's a lot of noise. There's some heavier parts. There's some goofy parts. There's some funky parts. But for me, the uh, the poppy stuff really did it for me. So what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I thought this was uh, really great. I mean, I uh, I've, I I kind of know Sam a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if he really remembers me mm. or not, but I've I've definitely introduced myself to him a couple mm. of times. Um, yeah, he's very prolific, as you said, with both his music and mm-hmm. his art. I as well have not delved into all of his music as that would be quite a daunting task, (laughs) but I bet in a very good way, Mm -hmm. because I'm sure it would be very rewarding. And I've definitely heard a couple of his Mm -hmm. albums. He has a song. uh, We mentioned this before we started recording, Eric. Mm -hmm. He has this song uh, from a few years ago called All Bad Things, which I think is just a really fantastic song. And you're right on the money with uh, the uh, poppy stuff. Um, one of the things that I've always liked about Sam's stuff that I've heard is he's always kind of seemed to like have this like almost happy poppy sound, mm-hmm. but then like the lyrics are just really, really like there's like a oh, darkness yeah, to these sure. lyrics and like, there's, I feel like with this one in particular, I think they're touching on a lot of like modern issues mm-hmm. that are kind of going on. And I think the song on this one that just blows my mind and just really like does the, exemplifies that better than I, I would have a hard time uh, thinking of a better example is this, that song Darkness Reigns. Mm-hmm. It's just so awesome it almost has this like like the 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 verse kind of has this almost like i don't really know how to like explain it it just it it's kind of like almost like a i don't know if this is the right way to describe but bossa nova or almost like this beach boys ish kind of thing kind of going on Mm -hmm. or something and then the chorus just like kind of gets this this like heavy like melodic thing kind of going on suddenly and then sam like sings the chorus it's like uh dark i think it's darkness reigns everyone will feel the pain and this like really just almost hilarious Mm high-pitched voice like that almost sounds like ween Mm -hmm. 
you know, like, or something like that. But it's, I, in that sense, I would say that a lot of this album, a lot of the, that stuff that is coming from Sam's end, uh, kind of almost reminds me of, they might be giants mm-hmm. in that way where they just, it's, it's almost like this sort of like, you know, happy sort of sounding song, but it's also dark as hell at the same yeah. time, you know? And that's, that's the kind of stuff I like anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the stuff where, uh, Mike Watt is doing like these spoken word sort of almost like poetry readings or mm-hmm. whatever. I think those are really cool. Um, I think the two styles mesh really well. I also really like the song, uh, fuck your guitar. Yeah, so did I, <laughs> I thought, I thought that was really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if you're into like parts of it also reminded me a lot of like, I don't know, uh, our Stevie Moore. Oh yeah. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. Maybe Daniel John, a little bit of Daniel Johnston, mm-hmm. but I mean, Sam Lock Ward, he just has his own thing going on and always has. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, this is really, really good stuff. If you're a fan of like, and also parts of it really reminded me of the Minutemen. Actually, sure. there's like some of the some of the uh, more upbeat, faster. Like, uh, it, I can't think of any of the songs in particular. Oh, I think No Facts mm-hmm. was one of them. Uh, I mean, the bass line that Watt was playing was like 100% just straight up like, you know, something that D Boone could play along mm-hmm. with, you know, it just, it totally sounded like old Minutemen. I mean, yeah, I thought this was really, really good stuff. And if you're a fan of just kind of like weird, good stuff and, you know, like humor and sort of like that dark thing that I kind of mentioned sorry i know again that's kind of a lame sort of description but i'm lacking a better description there i would definitely listen to mm-hmm. this stuff um give it you know give it a chance it's uh at slc or else excuse me slwccwatt.bandcamp.com mm-hmm. and i think it's going to be released on vinyl the name of the record is actually real man right. i forgot to mention that <laughs> So yeah, SLWCC. Yeah. And I actually forgot about it until I just pulled Mm -hmm. it up. SLWCC Watt is actually the name of the group, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, really, really good stuff. And also, um, check out Samuel Lockward.bandcamp.com for all of the other stuff. stuff. Um, and also if you're into mini comics and you're into independent Mm -hmm. comics, he does some really great comics. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely check out Samuel Lock Ward and uh, the yeah, really really good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Good good nice. stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Um, the uh, <laughs> what did I say I was gonna call this episode again? I think you were gonna call it good stuff after the um, B 52s <laughs> record. There you go. I thought it was, uh, maybe I should call it Cosmic. Thing. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I actually really like that record. <laughs> oh, me too. I, I love the B-52s. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I like I like uh, the first record, mm-hmm. the one with Rock Lobster. Uh, Cosmic Thing is really mm-hmm. good. I like, um, yeah, I like good stuff. What do you think of Fun Plex? No, I never did. One? I didn't really listen to okay. uh, the... Um, good stuff one either to be honest 
Uh, I kind of stopped with Cosmic Thing, so. Well, that was kind of their It's good, though. Yeah. Everyone needs to hear Rome at least once a a day, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I just listen to Cosmic Thing every day. Like, on the way to work, I listen to Deadbeat Club, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And and then Channel Channel Z to get kind of wound up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, everything. I mean, yeah, all that stuff. Not uh, Love Shack, though. I personally think Love Shack should be banned. That is a canceled song. I don't song. think anyone ever need like, we can all just recall the entire song in, in our heads anytime we want, right? I mean. Absolutely. So I don't, I think we should probably ban it. <laughs> so you're, you're all into cancel cultures against the. Uh, just overplayed the songs. That's it. Yeah. Overplayed songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's there the should real be an cancel ordinance. culture. Damn you it. Know, it's like Yeah. Don't don't stop they believing. Should hire us. <laughs> yes. I, I would almost say almost any journey yeah. song, honestly. You know what's weird though? Every uh, time Boston Bohemian too. Rhapsody comes on the radio, I listen to it. Every time. Oh Bohemian Yeah. And I sing that, it that's... every single goddamn time. <laughs> to me that is Two things to me that is excusable because that's still a great song that never gets old. But also it's weird because you've all, you've never seen Wayne's World. <laughs> I have seen Wayne's World like once or twice. I, uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, that doesn't count as seeing it, Eric. I mean, uh, you, you have to watch it. You had to have watched it at least 10 years well, straight. For me to count it as like, straight you've every seen day. it. As soon as you get done listening yes. to Cosmic Thing, you have to put on Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cosmic World and Wayne's Cosmic World. Cosmic World and that's Wayne's your Thing. <laughs> that's, that's your homework next week, ladies and gentlemen. No, don't. <laughs> don't do it to him. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want me to assign the listeners stuff to do? I mean, maybe, Come on, it'd be That's kind of what we do all the time, right? That's like why we review the well, records. Yeah, but I, I'm just thinking of it as like, okay, they're not going to interact with us, so let's interact with them. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, your homework assignment is to make it through the first two songs on the Albert Eiler record. Yeah. There you go. Good luck. And uh, try and listen for the moaning yeah, while seriously, you're at it. Seriously, that moaning is gonna, it's going to creep you all out. Yes, that sounds really amazing. <laughs> Well, yes. Eric, um, for people to contact mm-hmm. us and talk to us about anything about this show, yeah, they can still catch us on the Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. can't they? For sure. And so, your uh, what's your what's yours I again, think it's Eric? Erie underscore Eric underscore Whitaker. Okay, and mine is Dan underscore the underscore mm-hmm. ruler or accelerator and. Or Accelerative Thrust. Send us all messages, man. Let us know what we're doing right, but more importantly, let us know what we're doing wrong. Yeah. I mean, get it off your chest. I mean, you spend a lot of time with us, apparently. Something about (laughs) us has to piss you off. I mean, come on. Yes. So. So, um, I mean, send your suggestions, too. Yeah, <laughs> suggestions. Yeah, if you want us to like review oh, something, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, local Give band or or just not even a local band. Just 
If you oh, want us to, re- yeah. If 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 you have a record that you think mm. neither of us have heard, that would be that amazing. would be cool. I mean, if, unless if we it could sucks. find a record. That- and honestly, I'm gonna decide that <laughs> shit in like the first 45 seconds. So yeah, it's got to have a good happen. opener or a disclaimer that says the opener kind go. of sucks, but the rest <laughs> of it's rad. Like then, yeah. But seriously, it's got to. That's it's got to hit me quick. <laughs> that's one of the things that I always liked about um, Big Black when they put out the uh, EP after Atomizer. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Don't get your hopes up. This 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 piece of shit is no Atomizer." <laughs> like they actually put a sticker that said that. Nice. <laughs> and they were actually serious. Yeah. Like, like Albini was like, "Yeah, we just didn't want to like screw over our listeners." Well, pe- people probably liked it better than they would have. You know, because their expectations um, are so low. <laughs> exactly. They're like, oh, this isn't that big of a piece of shit, which is what you want people to say <laughs> about your your releases. You know, that's that's yeah. exactly it. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, thanks for yep. listening. And um, you guys all have a good night, day, week, whatever it is when you're listening yeah. to this. Uh, thanks for all the support. Mm-hmm. Um we know that there's a lot of you out there listening, and that, that means a lot to us. Yeah. So, Sweet. Um, you guys have a good all day. Right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Are you guys-